This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, <laughs> this service today is called The Whole Future is Present. How a seemingly strange attribute of God can lift you up no matter what's going on. And that sounds like a really nice title. Like it sounds like a bit of a Hallmark card for a second when you first get it. And then you start to realize, like, what, what kind of Hallmark card is this? The whole future is present. It sounds nice. But actually, it's a little strange. What do you, I get the present is good. What do you mean the whole future is present? And that's why I wanted to subtitle it, How a Seemingly Strange Attribute of God Can Lift You Up No Matter What's Going On. And I was thinking, what's the point of this? Like, here we are in, in this theater right now. There's like a skeleton crew. People were wearing masks. We're trying through all this upheaval to get messages out to you. Why? What's the point of all of it? Well, it all has to do with that, that little part in there can lift you up. And I was thinking about what's the point of all spirituality and all religion. Why am I sitting here going after it? It's because of that uplift that you get. And, and what a time to need an uplift. So an attribute of God that can lift you up no matter what's going on. And I wanted to put that no matter what's going on in there because everything is so different for everyone. I was thinking, who am I to tell you as we look at 2020 and everything that's been in it, who am I to tell you this, this is going to help you? Because I don't know where you are. Right now. I can't even, you guys aren't even in the theater. You're at home somewhere. Camera one, camera two, camera three. You're at home somewhere, right? We don't, everybody's living this differently. So the best that I can do is tell you something that has lifted me up and why it lifted me up. And, and I think that God will give you whatever you need out of that. That's always how it seems to be, that when we share what it's like to be a person, that opens something up. And my experience of being me can offer something helpful to your experience of being you. And then, uh, and then we'll go from there. So I want to talk to you about my experience of being me. So this, I want to begin, I'm going to divide this service up into three parts. And part one, I'm going to call the dark bubble. So this is about when this strange concept of the whole future being present was helpful to me. And I want to set the stage, think way, 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 way back to March. Do you guys remember March? Yeah, right. And I'm just, there's no, there's no audience in here, so I'm just imagining like uproarious laughter when there needs to be uproarious laughter, nods of approval when there needs to be nods of approval. That's, the one, that's something cool about when the audience is at home. You can just imagine them uh, when really if probably somebody's like phone is just sitting on their table and they're off doing something else. But I'm imagining that you're all with me on this. If you're not, that's okay too. You've got your own life to live. Think about March. And for me, the experience of March was that was coronavirus. And coronavirus had just destroyed space, time, and people. So I think about, I didn't notice this right away, 
But as that reality started to set in, you know, as I remember like mid-March around then when it started to go from, is this something to this is everything, that we had this little, I had this little world in my house where I knew like, okay, we can, we can be safe in here, but all around, it just seemed like it was just night everywhere all around because you had space, time, and people were not what they used to be. I mean, think about space. I knew that, right, I knew I had my little house and my little yard and we were probably virus-free, right? Everyone was thinking about virus all the time then. And now we've added even more onto that. Virus-free, and I'm thinking out though, like the rest of the world just is a danger. You know, we were reading about New York and I knew people in New York and was talking to them a bit and just devastation and the, the grocery store, is that is that dangerous? We don't know. Everywhere, just seemed like it's, whereas the world before sprawled out being this friendly, nice place where you could go and find good things. Now it was just like, it was all danger. And people as well, because now it was two things. Whenever I'm going by a person who people generally, I don't know what you think of them. Some people like people, some people don't. I, I think they're pretty good. But now every interaction with a person had this existential, like, we are a threat to each other just by existing. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to get you sick, and you don't know if you're going to get me sick. So it just, seeing a person was no longer about, how are you doing? What's the nature of our friendship? What can I do for you today? It was, is this going to lead us to, you know, viral misery? down the line. It was just a strange thing. And I felt like that bubble was extending and it extended out into time as well because there was no timetable. I remember, especially March in the beginning of April, when everybody was talking about the peak and the peak is coming, but it was pre the peak. So it was just every day, everything's getting worse and we're not even making progress. We're just going towards, and we don't know how high the peak is going to be or how long the peak is going to be. And we're just making miserable progress every day, deeper into misery. And it was, it's, I was definitely thinking about groups of people then. I was thinking about, well, like I had extended family who were, and friends who were healthcare workers. And I was thinking about, you know, how much I was wanting to keep myself and my family safe. Right? And then thinking about, wow, what if your job was to go and just put yourself at risk all the time? And like I had a cousin who was having to decide, like, okay, do I sleep in my garage or do I you know, sleep with my, my husband and our, our young children? And what's the trade-off? Is it because obviously I don't want to get them sick if I do get sick? And there's a probability I'll do that. But I don't want to emotionally scar these kids by having them not understand why their mom can't be around. And I was thinking about the grocery store. Because I was hearing about all kinds of frontline workers getting sick. And I was just thinking about like when, what it used to be like to go to the grocery store. And there was you know, a lot of people at the particular grocery store where we go to that I felt like, maybe they, they probably didn't think this about me, but I felt like we were friends. <laughs> they, were, they, probably, they probably wouldn't be able to pick me out of a, a lineup. But to me, I felt like whenever we go in, we have a nice conversation with them. They, they seem like they recognize us. And suddenly, 
I was home safe and they were not having even signed up as medical professionals. They were suddenly, you know, in my mind at all kinds of risk. And it was just sad. So I was feeling like there's that rippling out, the different kinds of suffering. I also knew about the financial distress. And it was a weird, like everybody experiences things differently. It was a weird thing because I, I do the kind of work where I was able to take that remote. Not quite seamlessly, but pretty seamlessly. So I felt like, okay, I'm handling this all right. Uh, but I knew that a lot of people were not. And I know what it's like to think about money. And I know what it's like to be trying to balance that and to be trying to save and get things going, you know, get the infrastructure right so that you can have a nice future. And thinking about so many people having that devastated. It was just like, not only is there danger, but there's just distress everywhere. I'm trying to paint, paint this picture of the, the dark bubble. This is, this is a picture of, uh, of me. They're this little like gray circle in the midst of darkness. Yeah, that's what my life was like in March. The little gray circle is my sphere of consciousness or my little life, the little thing that I could have in there. And then it just seemed like there was this night all around. And it was everything I've mentioned, plus all of the, everybody's arguing about what's the best way to combat this. And what, what should we prioritize? And the, yeah, looking at the different ways different countries were handling it. It just seemed like, man, everything is hard. Everything is negative. <laughs> it's not funny, but I'm just laughing about it. Everything is, is pain. And that just got me down. Like I f- could feel this, this weight inside of me. And that was, you know, magnified by the fact that I'm barely moving around anymore, right? I'm living a very sedentary lifestyle because I just sit in there and go on the computer. It, but I, I don't think it was all that. It was just this heaviness and time because we didn't have any kind of timeline. Nobody knew how long people were saying, oh, this will go away in the summer. Some people are saying this will be years. Some people say it will ease. Some people, there wasn't any real, this is about to be done, especially pre-peak. It was just like time, space, people, it was darkness all around. And I didn't really, you know, if you just told me that that situation would happen in a vacuum, I don't know if I would have really thought that would weigh on me, but it does. I mean, it got me thinking about how you have this general sense of there being light and goodness in the world. And when that feels snuffed out, it, it really affects how it is to be. So this is why, when I was saying before, why are we struggling so hard here in this room right now to get you guys a message about God and about spiritual things? It's because that sometimes, and, and really, if you get serious about it, it could be almost always, is the only thing that really can rescue you. So I'm here in this bubble, and, and I needed to get rescued. And the first real rescue that I got. I was trying my, my old, my tried and true techniques. It's okay. So there's God, God is taking care of things, you know, 
But it was really the first thought that really got me aware that there was some light. Uh, it had to do with near-death experiences. And I think about it like, just pausing for a second on the light part of it, I think of it like, you guys ever heard of seasonal affective disorder or light deprivation? There's, when you have, uh, you're missing some key nutrient, it doesn't matter if you have all the other ones, if you're missing B12 or you're missing D or something, it doesn't matter how much you have of the other ones, you're missing this one key nutrient, then you can't get to homeostasis. You can't be, you, you always know I'm short on something if you've ever had that feeling. So what I was short on, I was realizing, was hope. I don't know if that sounds cliche, but I was definitely feeling short on hope. Like there's nothing that I'm really hoping for. So near-death experiences, back to that, gave me this first thought because I needed to feel like, oh, there is light shining in the world. And this may seem strange. I, I hope it doesn't seem morbid, but I was thinking about the, the experience after, when somebody has a near-death experience, this is when, I'm sure you're all familiar with those, are, are you? If not, just Google and near-death experience or NDE reads and it will lead you to books and articles and you've got to start reading that. Because this is, the, the near-death experience phenomenon is the coolest thing. It's, it's totally grassroots. There's not like a central organization that's trying to push this worldview on you. This is just people talking about their experiences of when they're going through some of the hardest stuff that you can go through and actually the beauty that's on the other side of that. So we had near-death experiences where people will be in these situations, these horrific car accidents, um, drownings, you name it. And suddenly they are immediately completely pulled out of that distress. There's that distress in the body, but in the distress in the situation. And suddenly though, they're in, for lack of a better word, heaven. That they are surrounded by light and they are surrounded by love. And they get this amazing message about life and perspective on life like you wouldn't believe. And I was thinking about those and I was thinking about what I was imagining as some of the worst things people were going through with the virus. I was thinking about people who were getting sick and having these long drawn out battles and dying in the hospital. I was just like, it just seemed like this total plunge into misery and despair and, and darkness all around. But then I realized that that's actually not the picture. If we go to the next one, because around that darkness, this is just us zooming out. That there is my little world, and then there is dark bubble. But all around that is this amazing light. Because even those people who do have to go, worst case scenario, a lot of us may, will, will, a lot of us, most of us, will make it through coronavirus, whatever it's called, um, the COVID-19 epidemic, unscathed in some ways. Um, a lot, most of us won't die, but some people do, quite a lot. And, and some people really seem like, oh, I would never want to be going through what they're going through. But even thinking about, no matter how, even thinking about the worst case scenario, knowing that there are these angels hovering over those people. And as soon as you're at the end, you're in this amazing bright light. That was my first thought of, oh, wait, wait, there is, that actually, even if we have this little bubble, 
of darkness around us, there is God and there is heaven right around it in terms of time, right? Like even people, anyone who's gone through the very worst thing suddenly is in this amazing brightness. But that, so that was my first inkling that, wait a second, there actually is more good out there than not good. And that began to get me thinking of how can I really have a sense of that goodness that, that actually you take all the suffering around this and around, around everything and, and put it in a little circle, there's just infinitely more goodness around it because of the nature of God, because of the nature of divine love, because of the nature of forever, of eternity. So, but how could I get that to stick for me? And the thing that make it, made it stick was this strange concept of the whole future being present. So what I want to do is read from you, read to you guys a piece of new church theology, which is where I first came across this concept. I'm sure I've come across it before, you know, when I was reading, but it just didn't register with me. This time, though, it hit really hard. This is from Divine Providence 59. It has not yet been realized that divine providence focuses on our eternal state at every step of the journey. Okay, we've got to stop there because there's a couple of things. This is not actually the concept that was really helpful, but it's just a bonus one that, that feeds into it and, and on its own. Actually, it's, it's pretty crucial. We can't just skip over it. So divine providence, if you haven't heard that term before, that is, that is the embodiment of everything's going to be okay. You ever hear people say that? Everything's going to be okay. And people will say it in, usually, well, with conviction, they'll say it in religious context. Because if you're not thinking that there's God overseeing things, you don't know if everything's going to be okay. Because okay is not physics, right? But if you're saying everything's going to be all right, everything's going to be okay, the essence of that is that God is going to work this out for the best, right? The, the things that seem like they're out of control and things that seem like they're chaotic and that there's nothing, nothing in it that cares about what we're going through. Actually, there is this order and structure to it. And that structure and order and that, that love through the means of wisdom into the, the deep care for the journey of each one of our lives, that's what we call divine providence, so it sounds like some fussy old term, but it's the coolest thing that could ever exist. Divine providence is your personal uh, protection service. Divine providence focuses on our eternal state at every step of our journey. So uh, I guess I got to stand up for this part because I want to emphasize that the eternal state, you can't square, you can't square this stuff. You can't square life. You can't make sense of it without this idea of this beginning part of life that we're in is not the whole of human existence. I'm going to assert to you that consciousness survives the death of the body. And just like these near-death experiences that I was going on and on about before, all of them say, look, there, there is an afterlife. Some of them call it heaven, whatever you want to call it. They say, that's, that's actually, that's real. That what we're going through now is more of a simulation. It's, it's just, it's not as vivid. It's not as clear. It's not really what's going on. This is a meaningful start, but this is not 
what life really is. Because what life really is, is the eternal state, which is the, the part of love. You ever heard love can never die. That we at our core are, are loved by God, but also are expressions of love. That we are these eternal beings. And we have this, there's a plan for you individually. And the plan is to get you into being who you're meant to be. And in the, the state of life you're meant to be in. And that God can, is trying to bring us there into what Swedenborg calls heaven. And that that state can last forever. Not that there's not variation in what you do day to day, but this happy, this level of happiness and comfort and, and being plugged in and life being how it should be, that's, that's forever. And actually, divine providence, all of what God is doing in our little lives day to day is geared toward that. It's trying to give us a happier and happier eternal state. So you could see everything that we're doing here as like, preparation or learning or, or we're getting things arranged for the eternal state. That's, but which you could say sounds strange, but it's written into the way everything works. I'm going to give an example that I just thought of right now. That sounds like I'm making what I'm doing right now really grandiose, but it's not, it's just an example. Um, because obviously, as I said, most of you, you just left your phones on the table and you're barely listening. That's what I'm saying anyway. But I was just thinking about the state we had before this one, where we were in this theater and people are trying to get the cameras set up and people are trying to get the slides working. All We had this state of preparation. And all that preparation was leading towards the state we're in now, which is the broadcast state. I mean, that's what it was about. Why go around and plug this wire into this camera? What, who cares if there's a wire in a camera? Why go around and move the little knobs on the soundboard? Who cares? All of that, it doesn't make any sense. If you didn't know this was coming, that doesn't make any sense to be running around and doing all that stuff. But because they knew that the point of why we're here is to make, get the technology into a place where we can deliver this message to all of you at home. And the point of that is hopefully... It's giving you something that's good in, in your heart and mind to help you throughout your day. Then it makes sense. This is the eternal state of that. This is what it was building towards, okay? That's what it is divine providence focuses on, our eternal state. It, and it cannot focus, back to, I'm about going back to reading here. It cannot focus on anything else because divinity is infinite and eternal, and what is infinite or eternal or divine is not in time. I don't know. That sounds like theology to me. It doesn't sound like anything. It's, I get it, right? Okay, God doesn't run out of steam. But what's it mean? This next sentence is the, the premise for everything that we're, <laughs> we're dealing with here. And this is what hit me really hard. It Therefore, it being divinity, sees the whole future as present. God sees the whole future as present. I'm, I'm pausing for impact, but I don't know if, that, if it's really that meaningful to you. To me, what do you, how, how can you see the whole future as present? Even I can imagine a God that's infinitely powerful, 
that's not so hard. Like, okay, I get it. You know, you, whatever, you can push anything over. But can, can be in all time simultaneously. Like that you can see that all the future as present right now. Hold on to that, and I'll see if we can unpack that as something comforting. Since this is the nature of divinity, it follows that there is something eternal in everything it does overall and in detail. So you have God looking at us and not the, not the, not being here in our present with us, the whole future as present. God is present in every moment, but God understands this moment in the context of where we're headed, in the context of the eternal state. And, well, I'll just say in case this isn't clear, just like God is sitting there when we're plugging the wire into the camera and sees that from the perspective of knowing when the message is going out. But so what's really cool about that, I feel like, has to do with an airplane, like what it's like to go up in an airplane. And this is how it gets into me believing that there's light around even when the world was seeming like darkness. Do you guys know the experience of you're going up, it's been, it's a cloudy day when you get to the airport. And I grew up in Michigan, and I, it's not that different in Pennsylvania where we are now, where, but in Michigan for sure, you could just have whole days and a whole like two, three stretch of days that are just, it's cloudy, right? It's cloudy, maybe it's raining, but it's, it's not like, oh, maybe later today the sun will come up. It's just cloudy. It's just cloudy. It is a cloudy day. It might as well be a different universe than sunny days. And with this most amazing thing, like the first couple times going up into an airplane, that you could see as soon as the... So you've got this, this total wall of clouds over you. But as soon as the plane breaks, that cloud plane breaks through the clouds, oh, it was sunny the whole time. Like up here above the cloud... The, up here above the clouds is just as sunny as it is when there's no clouds. That may sound like it's not profound at all, but to me, it was. I guess I'm easily profunditized. The, the nature of what was down there, we weren't in a different universe. The sun was there. It's just a little above. And to me, that's what it feels like to think, wait a second, even, even if I'm in the middle of this dark bubble and there's all this suffering and everything like that, Actually, there is this eternal state, this totally happy, free, sunshiny heaven state that is the opposite of everything, where, where people are not a threat, where people are something that you love and embrace, where time is moving us toward good things, where, where life is exactly how it should be. And in a sense, we're there right now. There's a part of us that is there right now because God is there. I know this is getting a little out there, but to me, it's like, I love it. God is there with us now. In a certain sense, I'm with you now. And you see that, you see that in movies where there's, there's, you know, somebody's dying and they're leaving behind people who love them. And there's this sense of like, don't worry, I'll, I'm still with you. And you could say that part of that is because they, they believe they're going to be reunited and they're holding that in their hearts in a way that it's like, no, we're, we're already together. And I think that God is not only 
working towards that state, but in a certain sense can reach out to us and say, don't worry, if you, it, it's going to be okay. That's the sense, it's going to be okay. I think too um, about the term visionary. If we're looking for another, like, what is this with the seeing the whole future as present? Aren't there really effective leaders that can go out and do really amazing things and change the world? Don't people call them visionary leaders? And what I, what it seems to be, um, I mean, here the definition says, thinking about or planning the future with imagination or wisdom, a visionary leader. There's a sense, vision has to do with sight. There's a sense that this person can see something, already, already gets something, already is somewhere that doesn't exist yet. And why, why isn't everybody a visionary leader on that? Because most of us, we can't imagine this thing. There has to be somebody in the thing to be able to set the course to bring the rest of us in. And I just think that God is this visionary, that God is already there and just knows how happy you're going to be and how free you're going to be. And that that's why we're, we're, we're willing to go through all this stuff because there is going to be this happiness on the other side. So that's part one. Take a stretch if you need to process. Um, and then for part two, we want to look at the musketeer. You're probably thinking, oh, I sort of know. It's a little bit of a strange talk he's giving right now. Uh, I kind of wish Chuck was back, but we'll, we'll take what we can get. But now you say, I, I have no idea where he's going. What are you talking about? The musketeer. Well, this second part is about the details of divine guidance and, and trying to sort out why is life so strange uh, yet good? Like I think most of us, if we're, if we're tuning into churches like this one or to spiritual material, we have a sense that life is good. Um, but, but why is it so weird? And so this is another piece of new church theology that gave me a thought on how you could square those. And this one stars, yeah, a musketeer. So this is from Divine Providence 333. To illustrate this by comparison, this being that God is intimately involved, where, where God usually seems totally absent. Hey, look at, I'm up here telling all of you, like, God, God is so cool, and you better believe it. I don't, it's very hard for me to see what God is doing or, or where God is. It's very confusing. And I'm going to get to a story in a couple of slides from now that just <laughs> happened yesterday, and absolutely it's just like, what is going on with life? But the assertion is, and at a certain level I believe it, and I think we all have, we do have an instinctive recognition of this, that God is in the details in some way that's hard to comprehend. But why, why does God need to work in such mysterious ways? Well, that's, that's a good phrase. I'll keep that. To illustrate this by comparison, if an archer or a musketeer were to aim at a target and a straight line a mile long were drawn behind the target, then if the aim were off just a hair, are you with me? Okay, we're aiming at something really far away, but it's 
really far. And so if we just were a little to the right, at the end of that mile, the arrow or ball would have strayed far from the line behind the target. That's what it would be like if the Lord did not have his eye on eternity at every moment, every least moment, in his foresight and provision for everyone's place after death. So to me, reading that, it's like we go from a quirky 18th century example to something really that hits hard. Even this moment, think about the moments you've been through since March or whatever you're going through. I'm framing this in terms of something that I went through, but just there's so much that people are going through. So wherever you are, think about your moments that even in that moment, not trying to say that that moment isn't painful, I'm not trying to say that you, you, it's not, that you can't be angry. You can't be upset with God, with life. I do it all the time. But in that moment, the, the goal is still out there. The goal of eternity is still out there. Every least moment, even every bit of it, this is, is being either allowed or, or made to happen or something between... Who, it's, I don't really believe that it's everything hard that happens. God is sitting there making it happen. I mean, the way that uh, New Church Theology describes it is that there are, there's wheels in motion that God will sometimes allow to happen that he wouldn't want to have happen. But the only reason anything is allowed is because in the end, it's going to be better. And that, how that can happen, it's all kinds of complex ways. It's the way it shapes our character. It's allowing certain things to come out enough that people can see them and then choose to not do them anymore. Whatever it is, every least moment, you're still on the radar. You're still on the priority list. The, the Lord does this, though, back to reading, because to him, the whole future is present. And to him, every present, everything present is eternal. And I... To him, everything present is eternal. I don't know. Like, how are you going to throw that in there? I, to what it, what it means to me is that we are not sacrificing care about what each of us are going through because we have this long-term goal. That somehow God, he's good at what he does, can do this balancing act where the whole future is present, but every present moment is completely what he's focused on as well. So, Going back to the, the illustration of the musketeer. So if you think back to um, your, your, fav- your best times you ever had in school, maybe middle school or high school, think back and picture what, what object makes you think of the best times you ever had in school. Of, co- of course, it's going to be a, a protractor, right? Yeah. How awesome are they? Do you guys remember them? Did I think people probably don't do them anymore, but this is a little thing that allows you to see angles. So I want to illustrate this concept we were reading about before and the difference of how much trajectory matters if you're spanning it out across time. So let's say that we had a little target that we're trying to hit and we're five degrees off. If the target's pretty close, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? You still hit it because the target's close. But if target goes as far, suddenly that little adjustment, it makes us miss. So I like to think of this as tied in 
with the question of why is life, why is life exactly like it is instead of being different? And why does life often seem like it's not necessarily focused on my, on what I want to have happen today? So, okay, I'm gonna, I'll tell you my story. Remember I was foreshadowing earlier this amazing story that I was going to tell? Can't make this stuff up. So yesterday I was mowing my lawn and I have a push mower, like a real mower. You know, it's, it's just manual. And I really love it. And we had just actually gotten it sharpened, which we have the kind, you only need to sharpen it every few years. And it was actually, it was hard to find someone who would sharpen it because pandemic had closed a lot of things down. But I did find a guy and he's like 20 minutes away. So I got in, drove that mower down there. He, it, took, it took him a while because he was on backlog. This is also, by the way, right after there had been this massive storm in our area here. A huge tree came down in my yard. It was just, just like a storm like I've never seen. Destruction all around. A lot of people got hit. Uh, so a lot, so, so it took him longer to, to sharpen the mower because the power was out for days and days and days and days. We finally got the mower back. And I was able to get it, but it was so sharp. It was so nice. It was just cutting the grass. like Because it, it had been, we were a few years overdue to sharpen it. So it was just really a slog every, every week. But then that sharpened mower was just going on. And just, I was just feeling great about it, right? And I was out there mowing, and there's a little sidewalk on the edge of our property, and there's a little strip of grass, and then there's the road, and I was mowing that, that little strip of grass. At the time, I just happened to be mowing that very place in the yard when I heard my daughter opening our front door and yelling for me. She's four. And we have, still at this time, we're hatching butterflies in our house. This is a project actually that my wife, who's a teacher, did with her school, does do with her class usually, but classes have been canceled. Guys, remember, there's the pandemic going on. So we have these butterflies hatching in our, in our house. And she was saying, come on, you gotta, you gotta come. There's a butterfly hatching right now. And the butterfly's in trouble. Like it's not hatching right. So I left the mower right there where I had been mowing and I, and I came running in to go see, okay, cause you know, she's worked up about it and it's, you want to do what you can. So we came in and yeah, there's this butterfly that is not like it, it, it had, you know, fallen on the ground off of its little, uh, its cocoon had fallen, so it wasn't getting out right. Its wings were, were tucked in, and it wasn't, it didn't look good. And so we didn't really know what to do, and I was looking it up, and it was trying to get its cocoon off, but it couldn't really. And I was like, should I, should I help it? What would you do? What, should I like try to go in and take some of that stuff off? But everything you read says, oh, their wings are really fragile. And it was hard. So I was in there for a while um, trying to figure out what to do. But in the end, I couldn't really get it off. And I just figured, okay, well, we'll, we'll let it rest for a while and see what happens. I'm going to go out and finish mowing the lawn. So I walked out of our house back to my lawnmower, except the lawnmower was gone because somebody trash picked it, <laughs> which I didn't really realize, but 
that's why I, I don't think they were trying to steal it, but they thought, oh, this person, because other people leave trash along that edge of the road by their driveways. So somebody came and thought, oh, somebody doesn't want this real mower anymore. We're going to take it. And then it was gone. And so we lost our, our real mower that we had just sharpened. And the butterfly ended up dying. And if I hadn't stopped at that exact place and had to work for that long with the butterfly, we really needed that mower. And it just, <laughs> there is no moral to this story. It's just a weird happenstance, isn't it? What, what could God possibly, why, if, if God was running life the way that I think God should run life, there's some very easy things to be done there. Step one, if you can't save the butterfly for some reason, okay. I would have said save the butterfly, right? Just let the butterfly go. Let it fly. Let it be free. Um, also, just have my daughter stop me when I'm mowing a different part of the yard. Or have me come out. My wife actually saw a pickup truck leaving and thought, oh, is that like a package delivery? So like we, we, we came out like just 20 seconds too late to stop the person taking our mower, but none of it happened. And what I think is when, you, when, st- when life is like that, you just have to say, you know, I, I don't fully understand exactly the target. I don't see the target in the same way. I don't think that God is there saying like, I'm going to get rid of your mower or I'm not going to let this butterfly live. But I just think the way life is, we never understand the ripple effects. I mean, the butterfly effect, right? For one thing, so, so how could that possibly work, be worked into my eternal state? I'm here talking about it, aren't I? I mean, didn't I have to process that and say, okay, that happened and get me to think about God and, and it, whether I can be chilled out about something like that and I'm telling it all to you and whatever impact it has on you. But also, the person that's got my mower now, Maybe they needed a mower. I mean, maybe they were uh, heavily impacted by coronavirus financially and needed to have, You never know. I, I don't know. I can think to an extent, but I don't know. And what I can do, though, in that moment is to realize, what's all this for? I mean, this is all about the eternal state. And that in the long run, the mower goes where the mower needs to go. I do what I need to do. Uh, and God is already there, so we know we know where it's heading, uh, even if the means sometimes are mysterious and and, and sometimes uh, make a lot of sense. So that's the uh, that's the story of of the mower. Part three. We're still talking about how the whole future is present, and actually, I mean, because I guess I didn't end part two on that joyful of a note, I would say that I feel very much at peace about everything um, in that story. Like I, and, and I will say that during the storm that we had previously, uh, we, we lost a huge tree, as I mentioned, and we had our power out for what, what felt like, I think, like 25 days, but I think it was really only three maybe or four. It was, it was a while but it wasn't forever. I would say that in that space of that chaos, I definitely felt some freedom. I was forced in that situation to say, you know what you're doing. 
And even, even though all that was going on, there was times when I actually felt more calm and peaceful than I feel when I have my world as I think I want it and I'm manically trying to hold on and control everything in it. There, okay, there, there's a little happier ending to point, point two, which leads us in, though, a little bit to part three, which I, I labeled angelic present slash you can too. Now, this seeing the whole future as present, well, that may seem like a foreign idea. There, there are elements uh, that can work in, in our human finite way of thinking where we can em- emulate a little bit in what I feel like are tangible ways, this attitude of the whole future being present, that we can take that and actually apply it into life. Like I said, this concept has been very comforting to me, this idea that even right now, we all made it. We all made it. We're in, we're in heaven. I mean, we're not there yet, but we know we're going. We're, we're on the way. And, and in a way, we are there already. So this is one last piece of, uh, of new church theology for you. This is Secrets of Heaven 1382. And this is talking about, well, Swedenborg talks a lot about, who, who, who's, who we're reading when we're reading this new church theology, talks a lot about angels. And I know that in near-death experiences, they're, they're, they're usually called angels. People actually usually call them angels or they'll talk about beings of light or guides. It's just, you just can't help it when you're in this mortal distress. You run into these amazingly loving, comforting, knowledgeable, competent beings that take what would be a frightening, painful experience and, and make it comforting and, and joyful. And what Swedenborg asserts is that that's the state, that's our eternal state. That's the state we're trying to get to. That's the state God is trying to bring us into. Not just where we're all happy like that, but where we can be that kind of comfort to people. And what is it that makes us get into that state where we're just, our presence can be comforting? Part of it is that we have this, it's really, it's really a state of mind. So here it says, in their present, meaning in angels' presence, but think about it as where we're trying to go. Like, why, why are we, why are we, why do we come here to, to church? Why do we watch spiritual things and read spiritual things? Well, it's because um, we're trying to get some kind of higher state of consciousness. If that sounds too esoteric, we're trying to lift our minds up. Right? That's, what, that's what we're trying to do. So this is a little description of that, very short. In their present, they have both past and future. For this reason, so we, we can, in the present, sorry, I glossed over that. In the present, they have both past and future. For this reason, they do not worry about events that are yet to come. They never think about death, but only about life. Thus, for them, every present moment contains the Lord's eternity and infinity. So the first sentence, both past and future, I don't know what that means, but I get this. They do not worry about events that are yet to come. They never think about death, but only about life. Thus for them, every present moment contains the Lord's eternity and infinity. So just like all the future is present to the Lord, somehow it's all, we're okay right here. And I think about to put that side by side with not being concerned about events that are to come, 
One of the reasons why I'm so concerned about events that are to come is because I have this underlying pervasive assumption that I am responsible for my welfare in all kinds of ways. I'm responsible for keeping myself safe in the, in the immediate. I'm responsible for something about sort of my longer term, who I am, who I become. And, and yeah, am I going to, am I going to, go to heaven, how, what's my future going to be like? And I think upcoming events are going to be what dictate that so I can get worried about events. But if you're in this mindset where you realize, oh, that God is the one aiming us and God has that best outcome for us, always in mind and is in the little details making it so that we will get there, then you're not as worried about it what's going to happen in the future because you know whatever's happening in the future is actually being driven by the eternal state. So you can relax to the point where you're saying being here is okay. It's okay to be here because here is where I'm, I'm as I'm with God here and that's what's real. The rest of this stuff can seem really real, but What's really real, what will never pass away is that we're here with God. And that sounds pretty heavy, but when you get into times of distress, that's what the comfort is. I mean, that for me, there are times when only that thought can keep me afloat. And I want to echo this with, you know, it feels unfair to even use this Bible passage. This is Jeremiah 29, because it's got to be one of the best ones People are just saying, oh, he's just using that one. Everyone uses that one. But it's so good. It says, for, for I know the plans I have, have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Yeah. Okay, we've heard the idea that God has a plan. But you generally think, sure, God's got a plan, but I'm the one who really cares about what happens to me? God's out there doing something, but I'm the one who cares most about me. But the idea of him saying, like, I already, I know the plans I have. Like, this is, I am, I am on this. And by the way, they're not just plans in a generic sense. It is plans to prosper you and not to harm you. <laughs> that is so cool. Like, I, and it, I won't do too much color commentary. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So you've got the present where we've got our hope. And then you've got the future where you've got this eternal state. And where the plans are leading. Because everything's leading to something. Right? I talked before about how working in this room to get the cameras and the lights and the slides already was to lead to this. But the whole point of this was to try to lead to some kind of good impact for you wherever you are. And then the point of that, well, I mean, we're starting to get out of my pay grade here, but it's to give you the next step on your journey. And that the, the journey is to take you to that, that brightness that's all around even when it feels like we got the darkness in the middle. So I want to 
Take a minute to, in the, in the space of that, do a little prayer. Uh, and I'll just say a couple of words and then I think we'll do a, you'll be, have the opportunity to talk to God yourself where you are at home. So I would say, uh, hey, thank you, God, for the good things, for the hope that you've given me. And thank you for these ideas that lift me up and out. And please think about everybody who's going through what they're going through and be with them. Put the angels around, put that light around them and try to let them know. Try to let them know that it's there and keep growing that peace and that calm inside me so that I can be someone who is available to help where I'm needed for those around me, for the people I run into. And thank you for that future that you're building, the future that we all know uh, is right and is good. So now please hear the words of our hearts. Okay. And you're free, of course, to pray anytime you want. All right. I think we're going to go to a song now before we close it out. But it's so great to get to talk to all of you here today. And I hope you take that idea of this light shining in a huge quantity all around everything you do today, all around this entire week, around the year 2020, that there is more more with us than with them, that there is more light uh, than things to be afraid of. So thank you. And uh, great to get to to be here with you for a little while today. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.